Mote. Yakana Hey. Welcome to season two. Yes, you heard us right. Tiny, they ready? I don't think they are ready yet. Here we are with the new season, with new guests from across the continent, sharing the most inspiring entrepreneur journeys. We got Libya, Zimbabwe, Ghana, and so much more. Welcome to season two of a series of AMS. Mbote, my name is Binja, hailing from the Green Heart of Africa, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and I am so excited to have you here with me is my co-host my baby girl she is the day one of the day one guys patience talk to the people tiny you better let them know hey girl hey jungle and aquaba it's your girl tiny hailing from the lone star republic of liberia located on the beautiful coastline in west africa okay west africa is in the building thank you <laughs> and we would like to welcome you to a series of ands. A series of ands is a show about entrepreneurial women in Africa. On this podcast, we celebrate tastemakers in business who are continually innovating, empowering those around them, and slaying in style. Why? Because we're all more than one thing. We demystify what it takes to start, grow, and run successful businesses and organizations across the continent. We talk to women of all backgrounds, from business owners to CEOs of companies, analysts, tastemakers, influencers, African girl magic, to unpack their experience and deliver it to our audience who don't get to have the same amount of time that we get to have with them. Today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, we go to Nigeria, and I would love you to strap in because when i tell you our pre-show conversation was fire and i cannot wait for you all to meet our guest today allow me to introduce you to onyinye okonji onyinye is co-founder and cco at sycamore ng sycamore is an online peer-to-peer -peer lending platform where lenders investors and borrowers can access financial solutions with great returns um, they have great investment products that offer competitive returns to savvy lenders, as well as personalized loans that help individuals and SMEs operate and extend their capital. Now, buckle up and help me welcome Onyinye Okonji. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I'm so happy to be here again. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. We are excited to have you. And honestly, you know, many times we talk to women on the podcast and we live inspired and we live motivated. I feel that and you haven't even really said much, which to me already means that it's about to be, it's about to go down. It's about to go down. So Onyinye, yeah. I met you in the elevator. Okay. How do you introduce yourself? Um, my name is Onye. I am co-creator of a financial services um, company that connects the people that have and have not together. So one side of the business mm. um, aggregates funds to um, be able to lend from a pool to the guys that look, are looking to fund their lifestyles, to extend their business um, working capital. Um, would you be interested in getting to know more? Mm. A little bit over. 
Okay, okay. All right. I love it. I love that your approach, you have very businesswoman approach. She said, I'm just going to give you what I do on my nine to five. Okay. This is you asked me who I am. This is what I'm going to tell you. Um so okay, let's delve into it. So Onyinye, what got you in trouble when you were about five years old? What did people say this girl is troubling us? What got you in trouble? Talk. Talk. Too much talk. I was a constant noisemaker in class. And in class, we used to, they used to write names of noisemakers and they get flogged. That's me, number one. <laughs> yeah. I used to get... <laughs> All the freaking time, I used to always get flogged for talking. Yeah. That was me. Mm-hmm. And how has this talkative uh, woman or talkative child, how has been someone who was very vocal... Someone who was very, you know, you weren't shy to speak your mind. You weren't shy for your, you know, for people to understand and listen to your perspective and opinions of things, you know, growing up as a kid. You know, how did your family um, invest in that? Like, how did your family support that? Because I always, you know, ask this question because we're always curious about this. You know, we come from a continent where a lot of time as a girl child, you know, you're asked to be seen but not heard. So be, the, be a prim and proper little girl with your little bow in your hair. Shut, shut the hell up and sit down when you see grown people talking when you see anybody talking you don't talk you, you stay mute so how you know how did your family encourage that you know um you know how did they encourage you just having the confidence to always speak your mind and just be vocal i think my, my family is very close-knit and there's always a sense of safety that somehow my parents managed to um, groom us in, right? So I was never shy to talk at home. I was a very, con- I was actually conservative, but when I needed to speak my mind or say something that I, I felt like I needed to voice, I, I was presented a safe space. How that has presented me as a grown up now is um, through my career journey, I have found myself in um, with work opportunities that had to be in front of people. So my first job was as an English teacher. <laughs> Do not ask. <laughs> Don't ask. Hey, English. Okay. <laughs> English teacher. English. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Then my next job, sales. And then I've been in that line, you know, all the while, just growing in along the line of sales. So I've always had to talk to people about, you know, something I'm doing or just representing one of the companies I'm working for. Something like that. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's, mm. it's, I've definitely grown in my career in talking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love that you, you describe it as having been provided a safe space because that is one of the things that I believe, like, getting that gives you such a good jumping point you know, in terms of what life life has to offer. For you to know that even if out there is crazy, you always have the safety of home. I think, you know, very few things come close to that, especially in terms of like your basic needs and wants as a child. So I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for you that like, at least I love that your parents were able to create that for you. So transitioning from sort of the, the childhood years, where did you go to school secondary wise? Um, like, was it in Nigeria? Where was it in Nigeria? And what was your experience like, you know, being, again, following the, 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 the thread of you being a vocal, you know, outspoken, you know, now young woman in high school? Okay, so for secondary school, I, which is what we call it in Nigeria, 
I went to Queen's College. It's a federal um, school and it's very popular for like girl only school. And how was that experience? How was that experience, you know, with you being so vocal and outspoken? I hated it at first. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it at first because I, I think because I wasn't used to being around a lot of people my age. I, I it was just like it was very confusing for me it was a big challenge my first year um i think i settled into it my second year when i went mm -hmm. into boarding house i just it was easier to then make friends long term know that they have your back mm -hmm. day and night um and then just point to them too mm -hmm. as they're pointing to you right mm -hmm. and funny enough i was shy I was I was shy, but mm -hmm. I would tell you what is in my mind. Yes, but once I finish, <laughs> I will go back and you know yes. <laughs> and go back to that in myself. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about uni. Huh? I know you said a small girl who was talkative when we elevated her to boarding school. Now she was out here still telling you about yourself. Now talk to us about university. <laughs> Where did you go? What did you study? Let's get into it. Okay, so I went to Kavanaugh University. Kavanaugh University is a very popular private um, university in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. um, but popular for good and not so good reasons because the not so good reasons are like it's a glorified secondary school. Some people Jeez. say. I don't think so. I think that Kavanaugh University is a great... I'm a, a proud alumna of the school. Look at And the school has pro produced a lot of you know, superstars in in entertainment, in in, in tech. Draft names, draft names. Do you understand? So why not? I'm proud of it. <laughs> I studied psychology. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. Psychology is like the foundation for just understanding people, mm -hmm. and in any career, mm -hmm. in any venture, in anything, you would have to deal with mm -hmm. people. So that gave me the foundation for most of what I do now. Because I'm like, okay. Let's let's understand where you're coming from, yeah. so that I can speak to the motive of what you're you're, you're communicating to me. So, yeah. psychology in Kovna University, four years. I was done, left, haven't looked back. Love my time there. Oh, highlight of Kovna University: we didn't use phones. There were no phones. Yeah, <laughs> the tiny space. <laughs> yes, no phones. So for four years, you're you're facing your book. <laughs> Oh yes, no. <laughs> being just like it couldn't be me. <laughs> First of all, it could absolutely never be me. The way the way me and technology, we have been friends for a long time. It could never be me. But it always fascinates me this idea of we must take something away to grab your full concentration. Mm -hmm. Yet at the end of the day, you can look around and see what other people in the rest of the world are doing with technology involved but they're still successful i know you mentioned that you you know in uni you studied psychology and i agree with you i think psychology is definitely you know such a great foundation you know to have um within school. people don't respect liberal arts but people don't understand liberal arts you know is truly is a bedrock and the bed foundation for just a human you know human conscious and human you know interaction whether it's sociology psychology policy politics whatever mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um I used to be obsessed with like, don't ask me because I'm weird, but I used to be obsessed with like Sig like Sigmund Freud um, growing up. So definitely <laughs> was like into his, you know, his theory of the e, um, you know, ego yeah. and sub ego and all that, all that good things. Um, 
Yeah. I wanted to know what within psychology, you know, did you gravitate the most to and how um, and how have you been able to utilize sort of your psychological or psychology background um, within sort of your adult who grown up? What is dealing with mental health, dealing with emotional well-being, dealing with, you know, figuring out your identity mm-hmm. and who you are. And I say this because I know you and I share something in common where we're both empaths and you know as empaths i connect very heavily to the human psyche and you know people's emotional mm-hmm. like you know well-being so i can feel it mm-hmm. um so i just wanted to know like so what, what is your experience what has your experience been and how has psychology helped you as well okay um so just going back from where you 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 came from um being an empath i take on we take on everybody's emotions, the, yes. the environment, just were there and were soaking it all in. Yeah. And that has impacted on me and it has impacted even negatively because you get the pressure of work and then some from home and then you have um, just your personality carrying mm-hmm. the weight of the world, mm-hmm. in quotes. You know? um, so I've had to sort of <laughs> question Oh, but I'm a psychologist. Why do I need a therapist? Yeah, uh, I yeah. have to answer my, myself uh-huh. that question. Like, uh-huh. if you need to see someone, you need to see someone. Yeah. Just go and speak to somebody. And then, do you know what happened? First meeting, and I'm thinking, what, um, what, what skill are you going to use on me today? You know, <laughs> and I had to voice it out that these are my concerns because I feel like I'm familiar with, you know, some of these the things. Tools and, and yeah, the techniques, to, yeah. And I don't know how to bring myself to be in this chair that I'm sitting in. And she just helped me through it, right? So, um, I mean, gravitating, I mean, Sigma Freud was, I I, I just felt like, oh my gosh, conditioning generally Uh um, is something that I always see and I pick out in the environment or pick out in my surrounding whereas uh like this is the reason why this person is behaving like this uh-huh, let's uh-huh. take take out this um what they call a stimulus uh-huh. then they would you know give you a different response you know uh-huh. so that sometimes you know you is like a and b testing a b testing right you know put this introduce this take this one out you know see how how it goes so yeah i i'm out in my head though i'm I'm always in my head doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you tell someone that you studied psychology and they're like, oh, okay, psychoanalyze me. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to. I'm, I'm taking away your cues yeah. and I'm using them to form um, my own perception of you, but I don't have to psychoanalyze you, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just weird. No, yeah. for sure. And I think, you know, I think also... You know, just to wrap that, you know, wrap that uh, uh, concept up, you know, just going back to just being an empath is, you know, a lot of times we find ourselves in leadership positions and things like that, you know, and having sort of the gift of being an empath where we we feel everyone's emotions so deeply and, you know, and we're Mm -hmm. able to connect to that human psyche to sometimes understand what you're not even saying and we can, you know, we can grab it, you know, without you even having to Mm -hmm. say it, right? Um, it takes yeah. a lot, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it can become overwhelming for an empath. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, just going back to the whole psychology and, and Sigmund Freud, you know, I think when you understand like it and, and, and the, the ego and the sub ego and all of that mm-hmm. stuff, yeah. I'm able to know when, okay, this is subconsciously someone is behaving this way because it's tied to X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily who they are at their core. And also I'm mm-hmm. able to, you know, 
look at that person and say, okay, now that's who you truly are at your core. Like, you know, and this is all your, all your reacting from a place of ego, you're reacting from a place of trauma or, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And so it helps. I think as an empath, it helps us a little bit uh, better to understand people and to also be able to help mm-hmm. people when we can. Um, even if it's yeah. a, even if it's a listening ear that we're giving someone, you know, or we're not judging a person, you know what I'm trying to say? So yeah. I think that's yeah. just sort of the, the, the part from that question, you know, how you've been able to take that on, you know, whether it's in mm-hmm. you, whether you studying it and then now moving into your career field. All right. Let, let's talk about how, um, you went from, Lagos Business School, eh? Mrs. MBA. And then we found we found you also in France. So please talk to us about this MBA transition because I love it when you know you meet somebody over LinkedIn and you're like, wait, huh? And and there's not much expect you're like, wait, is this an exchange program? Do you even do exchange programs? What is happening? How did you go from Lagos to Paris? Are we in Paris? Are we in Lille? Where in Paris did you go? You know? So give us a little bit of a story here. Walk us through how you you got into Lagos Business School, why you actually chose Lagos Business School, and then how you got into IESG. Okay. So um, for my, I knew I won't, always wanted to do a, a master's. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what in. I mm-hmm. just knew that I was going to, you know, do a postgraduate degree, and. I started talking to a few of my friends and one in particular said, oh, that's, you know, an MBA is great because it gives you, like, mm. broad knowledge and then you can apply mm. in diverse ways that you want to. So I started investigating and, you know, just researching, okay, where can I do it? Everybody was saying, you know, go abroad, you know, it's more valuable. If, I mean, because you can, like, get international opportunities, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And for me, Lagos Business School was um, my number one choice because it had the local flavor. Yeah. You had people in Lagos, Nigeria, who could open doors and opportunities for you when you were done. And they were teaching you things that were, you know, very, very, um, very applicable, very easily understandable, you know. And besides, the, the school is a very great school right so Lagos Business School and I wasn't going to pay um, a, a bank breaking fee to get the exact same um, exposure given that it's in in, a, in the same association with some of these big schools you get here Yale you hear IE all of those schools right they're in the same association so you know why do I need to break the bank to do this so I decided to go I then got the opportunity to do an exchange program and I opted for it. I chose France because, hey, who doesn't love France, right? Wee oui, wee, oui. um, okay, wee wee. Wee And it was going to be my 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 first time in France. Um, I, I was very sure that I wanted an immersive experience in the culture, in, 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 I knew that this would be likely my last opportunity to go schooling somewhere. Do you get? I, I'm not doing a PhD, so do you get? I was going to use all, all the opportunities that I could. <laughs> so yes, I got the opportunity to do the exchange. I went to ISEC. It was it was phenomenal. I went to I did it in the Lille campus, not in Paris campus, because Lille was Lille suited me. It was a mm-hmm. more quiet town. Student town was close to Belgium, so mm-hmm. you could easily just um, you know it was just 
right perfect yeah and i got everything i wanted out of it onyonye my question is more along the lines of what was your biggest takeaway while you were there right because it's not to say that you wouldn't be able to get the learnings that you did in lagos the theories are the theories wherever it is you learn them what do you feel you you got in terms of a value and if at all i i would i don't want to suppose on your behalf but um in terms of the experience from going to school in france for this um additional part of that degree um i took away being aware of my own bias mm-hmm. right so you know how you'd talk about racism and you would talk about it from the perspective of the black person mm-hmm. um being the victim of in quotes right but there was a, a particular class I took and um I made an assumption mm-hmm. right and I, I I didn't ask questions which is you know ask questions first mm-hmm. and that was my lesson <laughs> um and I assumed and it was quite it was quite racist if I'm being honest right mm-hmm. and they set me straight. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> they set me straight. Like, mm-hmm. no, that you can't assume that because the people here who have been to Africa, who are familiar with, you know, African terms, African culture, and all of that, and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. um, that was my bad. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I acknowledge that. And what it made me aware of was my bias. Mm-hmm. Um. And, just being more open-minded I, I i realized that i wasn't even though you think that you are you probably aren't when your unconscious um thoughts and what's called comes out mm-hmm. um i also learned about fear mm-hmm. how most of the time here we live on that there's a feeling there's a you're not free. It, it feels like, okay, so some, some people say, oh, don't put your information out on, on Instagram or social media because people will cast eyes on you. They would, they would, um, they'll be checking you out. They'll be monitoring you. That's the, that's the word. Mm-hmm. And there, there was nothing like, you, you could literally just leave, take pictures, put it out. Nobody's, there's no, you don't get that feeling. You, nobody's giving you that feedback. So it was, it was literally like, okay, it's, is this the same me? Am I being, um, am I, am I the same person? Am I experiencing the same? Uh, I, I don't know that. I, I think it just made me aware of how I felt when I wasn't in that environment and just, yeah, just a lot of awareness, a lot of it. I love it when you, you're able to really take learnings in a classroom and apply them. I went to Northeastern in Boston, and that is literally the ethos of that college where you have what they call the co-op program. So literally, as you learn, next semester, you're going to find a company and apply. You know, And I think you're, by the time you're done, your education is so much richer based off of the fact that like you learn so many things that you apply and then you can see okay this works in theory but in, in an actual real life setting i don't have time you know and i would love it if when we get into sycamore and what you guys are doing in nigeria for you to kind of highlight how you've maybe used some of those tools of persuasion to transform your sales team um for example so let's talk about your work life because for me i'm very curious about two things one you know, what was your journey pre 
masters i don't know if you went and you were working in between undergrad and grad school and if you just went you know kind of like because many people like myself just do both degrees and then you start looking for quote-unquote real jobs right um but i know some people have the in-between jobs between you know undergrad and then your grad school times so if you did work in between talk to us a little bit about what you did i know you mentioned you were a teacher jesus um, jobs that I know I would not be finding myself in, but, um, let us know, did you have any other jobs? And then maybe after, uh, getting your MBA, what is it you did? And obviously we will get to the dollars and the cents of it all. <laughs> all right. So, um, I had, um, I finished my first degree in 2009 and I went to, for my MBA to 2017. So there's, there was quite a number of years in between for me to get good work experience. I started with as an English teacher um, because in Nigeria, you have to do one year service to the nation, right? So in that one year, my NYSC, I spent it in a different state and they just assigned you a job. And I didn't object. I did it. It was an experience. I loved it after a while because what it made me, every experience just, sort of opens a new neural pathway, right? So that one was, you know, it, it, it showed me that I could endure, you know, in that ex in environment, yeah. no indoor plumbing, wow. no network for the most part, um, new environment, just village life. <laughs> me as a girl. Yeah. <laughs> and I did it. I did it for a year. And, and I enjoyed it. I made sure that I was in, immersed in it because this is the only time that I'm going to have that experience. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it while I was there. Um, uh, I even did extra classes for after lessons, after school lessons for free. It was it was really a good experience. After then, I came back to Lagos. I went and um, continued at a school that I had worked in before um, for a few months, and then somehow. I got referred for a new job and was in finance, in fintech, right? So this new fintech was starting up and a parent in my other school, shout out to her, um, was saying, said to my former boss, hey, um, this babe, where she, you know, let her come. She's going to be a good fit. Oh, I went nice. for the interview. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was a good fit. Mm. Um, got the job. So I worked in two pioneer Mm. A, um, fintech companies before setting up Sycamore. So that really set the foundation for um, what I know as um, as my experience, you know, my frame of reference. Yeah. Um, so I did that. After my fourth year or so, I decided to leave my job and I went then to, to get my MBA done. And then, yeah, here we are. Interesting. Let's talk about the two fintech companies, right? Yeah. Because obviously you're now currently in fintech as well. And I'm assuming, you know, and this is why you're here to to give us some clarity, um, that in these two companies, you're able to see enough to think to yourself, I can do this, right? So what is it about having worked in those two mm -hmm. fintech companies that gave you inspiration to come back and say, Hey, let me go get my MBA and let me, let me think about how this is something that I can do moving forward. Okay. So, um, I think the, the first thing was, um, this were startups, right? Both of them. The first one was literally just starting. Um, so you're close to the management, you're close to, you're seeing everything sort of play out. 
um, that opens up a possibility mindset that if these guys can do it, there's nothing. It's like this is like this. Okay, A plus B is C, and then get it done, right? Um, I will not minimize the exp- the whole experience to that make it that simple, but it really just opened my mind to the possibility that okay, and I wasn't thinking about it then. I was just absorbing the learnings. I was learning to do my job as a sales analyst, learning to ensure that loans that went out were were most likely going to come back, you know, um, with interest. Um, I got the second job after being um, poached from the first one. And this one I spent even more time on growing through the ranks, seeing how things were starting off from, from the jump before even a license. So I, I was there pre-licensed, got through the struggles, early struggles of, okay, we weren't plugged into this quite right. And then we then eventually plugged in Collection was a, 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 that's the inherent risk in this business, right? Collections, right? So, um, saw how, you know, it was very hands-on and how I, I learned that by seeing, by experiencing my colleagues, my bosses, you know, just get it done, right? It wasn't, it wasn't, it was literally not about whose job it was or who belongs to where, get the work done. If we get the work done, everybody would get a salary. Everybody would, it, it, the glory would belong to everyone, right? So I did that. I grew through the ranks from sales analyst to head of branch to head of lead, lead generation, which was really around the retention strategy um, for the business. And that's when I left. Uh, I was also doing um, agency banking for, for the business. So take all that, um, take all that experience, and then roll it up and say, "Hey, somebody asks you, hey, do you know what? Are you interested in starting one of ours?" And I'm like, eh, you know, why the heck not? Like, why the heck not? Because it it is literally, I, I've seen it happen twice. It was even if it was a fluke the first time. These two companies right now are literally. Up- in the first um, first three, if you count the first three fintech companies that are really turning in the revenue, you count those. Yeah. So if I saw it done there, there was no reason to doubt that I could replicate. And now we're competitors and it's healthy competition. In fact, I love that. Behind closed doors, we're all collaborators, mm. right? We're mm. all collaborators. We're talking to ourselves. There's no, right. it's outside that you see that, oh, okay, this person is not in this company, therefore, you know, they're like this. But really, okay, how is it happening on your own? Okay, is it, are you experiencing this too? So you know that, okay, it's a systemic issue that you're facing as opposed to, oh, just you and your business, you know? So, um, yeah, that was, those experiences really shaped me and helped me to become the entrepreneur I am today. Okay, so... I- how do how do folks find you as a woman in fintech? Because you've mentioned that you were at, we'll say some of the top five, top three companies that are now in fintech. Um, Lightning, I believe, can strike twice as it did with the two companies that you worked with. And right now, even where you are, to me, I think from what I'm actually hearing is you Again, in this backpack of life, you kind of had a nice toolkit. You've put together what you think, you know, is required um, 
for you to be successful, you were also not afraid to take the leap. So what was it like? I mean, I've worked in tech and on the high health IT uh, side of things. Well, what is it like in finance? Are there still finance bros like I know of in New York and in Boston? Or what is, are there more women? So yeah, talk a little bit about what it was like being a woman in, or at least what is, it is like being a woman in finance and fintech mm-hmm. specifically. I think the fintech, the, the bros, tech and fintech and finance bros mm. uh, have just given up their their old boys club because we're here we're here we're not going anywhere we get where it's um i don't feel like i'm out of place i don't feel like this is not for me right i'm at home in it um mm-hmm. and, and i feel like all the women that were grooming in sycamore feel the same way there's no there's no point for, oh, it's, he should do that because, you know, he is more in tune with or, or more capable. Of, no, I, and I keep pouring into them, telling them, look, you can't do it. You are here. Yeah. You made the cut for a reason. This, right. Don't doubt yourself because you're not a man. You're, you are whole and, you know, you know, competent. So just get it done. Don't, all that self-doubt will just, will be a self-fulfilling prophecy if you keep, entertaining it right so for for women being a woman in finance in fintech i'm like what else would i be doing really like i, I don't know any other life right now you know so here i am <laughs> deal with me <laughs> right <laughs> oh my goodness no i i really really do like that um because you know fintech at least to me feels like this very like nebulous part of technology where it's like you need to be really smart really good with money and a lot of those stereotypes are like well that's where a bunch of men are right because in many african households who is running the finances at least on paper it's men right in the background it's women who are the ones managing actual households but so how do you protect women you talked a little bit about having this imposter syndrome of you can't do it but how, how how what have you set up at Sycamore, for example, or what in the other two fintech companies did you experience from the other women who have come before you in terms of how they protected you? Maybe if it was in like a boardroom or if it was in interactions with other men. But how do how is it that you help these women overcome this syndrome or this feeling of I, I don't think it's for me or I don't think I can do it? So for me, I didn't. And I say this very carefully, right? I don't believe that I had the support that we pro- I provide now um, when I was, you know, coming up in terms of gender support, in terms of, you know, some a woman pouring into my life and saying, or into my career and saying, hey, you can do this. I was, I was flying. And I say that humbly, but I say that as a fact. It was, there was, if not for school, there was really no other reason. I, I, I would have a very comfortable job there, right? Um, but I chose a different path because I believed in myself. I was like, this. there's more. There has to be more, right? I'm already in this cycle of this routine that I'm just like going around and around, you know? It's almost getting boring, you know? So right now, what I do is I provide the, the support and the the just the presence to say hey you know what i'm here i've made it to such a level right there's still more to go but where you are now you cannot 
doubt yourself because I was there. I've been there. I've done it. I'm here now. So see me as an example. So I keep putting myself forward as an example. And when when times are tough, I try to be as real as much yeah. as I can. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I mean, you have to give access only, you know, as 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 necessary. But I try to be as real and say, hey, you know what? I'm having a tough week, you know, and it is what it is. Sometimes you would experience it. So if they see my example, just the way I saw the examples of those companies, I think that the ladies that were grooming here will be flying in no time, right? So I'm, I, 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 I make them understand that they are at home. Yeah. They are home. They should, you know, off clothes. Feel comfortable. Yeah. Remove their wig. They are home. <laughs> I love it. She said remove their wig. So let's let's di- let's dive in a little bit more specifically here now. Talk to us about how Sycamore came about. You said somebody approached you the, and you already had all the tools within yourself from past experiences, had an additional degree. You had the confidence to back. Talk to us about Sycamore. How did this start? What are you guys working on? What are you building? Okay, so... Sikama is a very interesting story because we did not, I didn't plan to go into business. I didn't plan to be an entrepreneur. You know, sometimes how you plan things, it just doesn't pan out. This one was, I was planning. I don't even know what I was planning at that point because now it's been so long. Life has really taken over. <laughs> so, so I went to school. I met um, my, my friends, um, Tunde, who I met there. Sunday at first, and then I met Maiwa after, um, you know. Uh, which school is this? Lagos Business School. Lagos Business School, okay. Uh, that's, where, that's where it started, this story wow. started there. I love it, I love right? it, okay. So shout out to Lagos Business School, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I met them in class, we did a case study in particular, it was about this fintech, there were, you know, just ideas that jumped out of that um, case because the funding gap is ever increasing right. in Nigeria. And now that there's inflation, there's the um, Naira floated against the dollar. There's all of that stuff going on. The fuel is not, um, fuel subsidy has been removed. So there's the gap, the funding gap is mm-hmm. ginormous, right? Right. Um, PwC um, captures it in the billions of dollars wow, wow, in wow, Lagos wow, alone. Wow. Oh my God. So, we're in Lagos. There's a an opportunity here. Hey, Onye, you were in this company's right? Uh, yeah, I was. Okay, do you want us to do this? I'm like, hmm. Uh, you know, and this is literally how the conversation went. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is what we saw in the case, right? Mm. Maybe we can plug in. Maybe we can do something about it. And I'm like, mm, okay. Not minding. Not taking. You know how. When you want to choose something, you take into consideration how many teeth you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just said, oh, yeah. Because I'm, at that point, I was at a place in my life where I'm like, I cannot, I cannot go. I, I have nothing to lose. Right, I, right. That was my entire mindset. I had nothing to lose. So when it came, I didn't think about it twice. I didn't think, oh, this is risky. I didn't think where will money come. I didn't think how people work for us i didn't think are we going to really do this i just said yeah i love that you just jumped <laughs> i somehow we have registered the company somehow my name is on that registration document i'm like um, okay 
oh, we're doing this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to make this work now. <laughs> finally, and then finally, um, they go, they go, um, okay, we're starting this thing in, in, um, we've registered in by July, and we're gonna kick off operations sometime next year. So, for your internship, let's go to companies that we can gain, um, like relevant information from all our own, all our fields. Mm. So there was Marwa, there was Tunde, and there was me. And we decided that, okay, um, Tunde was coming from a consulting background. Then he went to a fintech in Kenya to do his internship. I went to another fintech in Lagos just to, you know, sharpen myself. And then Marwa went to consulting, coming from CBN and Leadway, the insurance company. And I'm like... It was thinking through, it was really only during the internship, our three months internship, that I'm like, okay, we're really doing this. Right. Like, screw it. I cannot fail. And if I do, I would have a very great story to tell during an interview. I tried. This is what I'll do better next time. You better hire me because I am damn worth it. Yeah. I have all, the, all that experience, even the experience of failing, right? So I, I had great belief in myself. I'm just like, there's no way. And I'm not saying this now looking back. I'm saying it that as at then, my mindset was, if I, I can't fail. But if I fail, I will be fine. We'll all be fine. We took significant pay cuts to start this. Like, there were, babe. Mm, say it, say, say it. <laughs> there was nothing at first. So we had, we spoke to our classmates, hey guys, you know, we're going to bootstrap through this. This is our idea. We're trying to bridge this funding gap. In, in in the economy, starting with Lagos, going into um, African diaspora eventually. But yeah. right now, we need your help. We need support. How can we collaborate? Mm. Two classmates said, you know what? We'll jump on this with you guys. We'll be equity contributor, contributors. And the other ones, you know, prayed for us and bid us, you know, farewell. <laughs> and they support us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not everything will be financial support. We'll give you the prayer list. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> Um, we start. We just started. Um, I was still on exchange. In fact, I had just started my exchange program. Um, Tunde went on his exchange program. Maya was in Lagos, and by March, we're still trying to put our systems together, plug and play, all of that software, money, all of that, gathering everything. And we're telling people that this is what we're doing, or you know, support us, that kind of thing. Mm. And one classmate came and said, "You know what? Okay, this is what you're doing. I need money." And they were looking at each other like, "You know that." Spider-Man meme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to answer oh. this question? <laughs> oh, my God. So, I'm like, let's do it. Like, this is what we're here for. This is it. Mm -hmm. And I think it was at that moment that the reality of everything really hit. That, guys, we're actually starting a business. We're actually starting a fintech startup in Nigeria, in Africa. As... There's no, there's no fancy anything. Look, we're legit looking like Yahoo Yahoo people, laptop on your lap in the parlor. There was nothing <laughs> fancy. We're just <laughs> getting the work done. This bus that loan. And then somehow our people just kept on referring people to us. I'm like, did you guys see the big, big people? Why are you coming to us? And for some reason, it was our relatability. It was mm. our nimbleness. 
time to money. Just we're literally about the service. Just get it out the door because yeah. money is a commodity. It has been so commoditized that right now everybody's selling money. It's just the price you need to pay, mm-hmm. right? And it's such an emotional um, commodity that the person that is collecting the money feels almost feels like I'm in this place where I'm needing somebody else. I'm needing an. It can it can have a an effect of I'm the disadvantaged one, right? Mm-hmm. God forbid. <laughs> it can have that effect on the person that is. So we, we're coming from a place where service. Yeah. If we put, if we make sure that they don't feel any type of way about coming to us, about taking mm, a loan, about bringing mm. documentation, no stupid documents, no no lengthy process, just getting the work done, uh-huh. then this can be a competitive yeah. advantage for us. So initially, it was like just run with it. You will lose money. You would you would be at risk the, inherently. You have to have a provision for the money that is lost. That's yeah. the lesson that you have mm-hmm. to learn, right? So you will learn how not to lose the money next time. So we did learn. We did. And then, but but because, you know, it's investors' money, we cannot tell them stories. Yes. Mm-hmm. No investor, no one of our over 250 investors till date. Mm. Have we ever told a story that, oh, you know what? Mm, you We can't pay. You know, we, we can have a conversation with you. I mean, COVID happened to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's no business, there's no income, we cannot generate that interest for you right, right now. Right. We, we're going to have a conversation and then make it up. Mm. Right. Okay. So okay. that happened. We're, we're here almost five years old. Wow. Five in March, next year in six months. Wow. So, wow. 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 Been a journey. <laughs> Thank <Yes>. you. <laughs> I'm going to take you back a little bit because I know you guys mm-hmm. earlier on were discussing the gender aspect of fintech and I know now that you're an established company mm-hmm. Company five years in congrats <laughs> yeah. I mean African women just out here doing the damn thing I'm just saying yeah. and, and we will get down to the nitty gritty of Sycamore's impact so far and achievements and how many millions you know you guys have gave me landed notes yeah. out you guys are doing it big so <laughs> People about to see this shit. I'm so excited. But before we get to that part, I definitely wanted to talk a little bit about the gender sort of aspect, right? Okay. You let us know how the company came about. You know, you let us know sort of what you guys are currently doing, how long you've been in business. So now take us and walk us through to some of your tailored products that you have, you know, in general, what your products are. And also maybe explain it more um, in terms of, any tailored products you have towards excluded groups like women or like market women, informal, you know, lending, like things like that. Okay, so um, very early on, we realized that there was an opportunity where most fintechs weren't looking, which is in the informal market. And in fact, that's somewhere we're playing in even bigger now. So I'll explain. From inception, we decided that we're going to look at um, a specific niche and then honing spread from there. We we picked road transport workers for very for a very interesting reason. So you have your Uber driver, right? Mm. Your Uber driver is going to drive you around for a whole week and then only collect his money paid by the card on um, a specific day the next week, right? So money for fuel, money to repair his car, money for 
the guys that would harass him if he has an accident monitor all of that there's no accounting for it there's no where he can go to because of the nature of his job to go and get funding especially because they would ask you for id card mm. they'll ask you where you work mm. what's your income it's sporadic so really how do you want to some months are fish some months are farming you you really most of these fintech companies are very structured around you have to be in you have to be able to defend your income and i don't blame them i mean that's the basis of getting investors money to be able to give to you right right so we looked at this particular niche and said see there's an opportunity there yeah. these yeah. guys don't have anybody looking at them one two they have um there's there's the there's the need for money to tide them over if they have most of their for, um their trips as car trips where do, how do i buy fuel how do i feed my family all of that yeah so we decided to right to uber it didn't quite work out so we decided to do that ourselves mm, okay <laughs> okay okay it didn't work out i mean some some ideas come like that we wrote to them they didn't, they didn't even respond so we're like you know we'll take it on by ourselves early on so from year one we decided we're going to go to the the local taxi men they have an association and if you know the informal market very well you know that these associations are very very organized mm-hmm. they all sort of go through the hierarchy and they sort of acquiesce themselves to the the head right yeah yeah they're very organized uh, uh, even though they're informal they're quite very organized um very very organized very so we saw the taxi men um the yellow cab association we stepped in there we started to tell them about it oh this is what you can get this is how you can grow mm-hmm. they started buying into it of course there'll be default because they're not used to this um um allowance so to speak mm-hmm. um so we learned through that mm-hmm. there are other types of road transport workers not just these guys yeah mm-hmm. then there are women that fund that um sell food to these guys mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that the women the women that have their kiosks around there so you have the yellow cabs you have the okadas which is the bikes you have um korokwe the small buses yeah you have keke the tricycle yeah right there you have these women who are you know providing auxiliary services to these men right and it's a whole organism that works by itself so we tapped into that we started to learn to them and then we started to learn to the women even more because we figured that look women can women will pay this is the reason we know that these women would appreciate being prioritized so they would make sure that they are paying and so we started um even to um offer them even more loans because after a while the road transport workers we had Okada ban in 20 2020 i believe or 2021 that affected our business because hey if you scatter where they are meant to gather and associate you can't find them, right so it was based on that association so that that went down mm-hmm. they also went um, the corope association took over in some places the um, kekes are not allowed so yeah. it was just yeah. and and if you think about mm-hmm. it, uh, it, it i can just say road transport workers and you're wondering why we have two major um, local government areas in lagos alimosho and ikorodu these two local government um, areas have 
service well over 150,000 kekes. Oh, wow. Wow. Wow, 150,000 wow, wow. kekes that offer the state mm-hmm. 1,000 naira every day to oh, work. Wow. Eh. 1,000 times 150,000. We needed, we wanted to be a part wow. of that. Eh. Yeah. But yeah. Apparently, yeah. they are very liquid. Yes. The math was mathing. The math was mathing. They're very, very liquid. So if you are able to fund them and you're able to collect, not thinking about them as bankers or people that have the uh, white or blue um, ship workers, but people that for study them for themselves, yeah. realize that they're cash, they're very liquid and they don't save. Absolutely. So if you don't capture that money once they have it in their hand, mm. you know it's done for that week, right? So we had to learn how to really converse and you know ensure that we are um, getting the the money is out of these guys as quickly as possible. So we tapped into Ikorodu, we tapped into um, Surulere, we tapped into Ali Mosho, we tapped into most of the um, um, LGAs, and then we started going out of state. Yeah. So we realized that there was an opportunity for us in Ogun State, mm-hmm. for instance, that was close to Lagos State, right? Mm-hmm. Where there were buck, um, you know, niches of people who we could that that you know fit into our product. It was called taxi money. Yes. And then we then renewed it to more money. So that's how we've really been able to tap into the informal market. Yeah. But specifically the gender and based I know that not a lot of women are in this particular yeah. part, but this is how we're able to service them yeah. when um we're able to service them right now. I think I mean I think that's that's extremely amazing and the the reach and expansion you guys have had in such a short period of just five years i think speaks for itself so i have a few follow-up questions you know pertaining to this how does sycamore um ensure sort of a a a a fair uh and 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 sort of a human rights approach or humanity approach like repayment understand that this is this is a business you know what i'm saying like if you're gonna borrow you got to pay but also understanding um you know, just the humanity of, of, of it that some of these people that you're serving are people who are put in position who may not necessarily be able to pay, you know, um, in a way where a, 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 a traditional bank would, you know, would, would um, want. So how is Sycamore keeping that in mind in terms of what strategy you guys are using in terms of your repayment? That's the first um, follow-up. And the second follow-up is if this is public knowledge, if you can tell us, you know, how much so far has Sycamore, you know, lended out? I think I read somewhere in the millions, but I don't want to, you know, um, contradict myself if it's not accurate. So I just want to hear from the person's mouth, you know, to let us know. I mean, you're dealing with millions. You we just me? want to know. Because maybe me and Bija are sit here and go Nigeria and find the app and start asking for money to okay. And break it down for us, please. <laughs> <laughs> so for so for us, um, collection is very critical. It's the is the backbone of the business. People can always collect money. Always, you know, everybody. There's always people who need money. Yeah, but collection so critical. Mm. So from the jump, we first of all ensure that we establish the um, department mm-hmm. correctly. Two ways, right? You are either in in the formal market or in the formal market. For informal. We have agents that go physically to collect cash and put it in the bank mm-hmm. because we know their cash, their liquid, they don't save, mm-hmm. and they're not very um, tech savvy. So we help them 
you know, go through the process. Um, there's POS operators now all around Lagos that we then introduce them to, to um, okay, give them the cash, give them this account number, let them pay into our accounts. You know, so once we get that confirmation, we send you a confirmation that we have received it, right? So we're stepping them up and including them in, in, in this. For the ones that have uh, smartphones, because a lot of them use what we call balasa, it's dumb phones, right? Yeah. Um, we also have the ones that have smartphones. We have an app that we say, you know what, go on. You will get an account immediately you sign up. Pay into that account, we'll debit from the account, right? So it's it's three different ways. If you if you're if you're not familiar with any of this, just pay the cash into the bank, we'll get it. Mm. Pay the cash to a POS operator, we'll get it. Or pay um, back transfer into your account and we'll get it. Mm-hmm. For the formal sector, we are we we pride ourselves with really just being aware of the economy. Things are really tough. Inflation is skyrocketing. It's going through the roof. There's yeah. people hung, the people hungry on the streets just mm. trekking to work mm. every yeah. morning because they can't afford mm. the transport fare. Mm. Right? There are people that are saying, oh, they'll eat zero one zero or just eat zero zero one, like breakfast on dinner, mm. that's what I mean. Right? Right. Or or just avoid the things that are expensive, e.g. protein, just pack plenty of rice mm. or pack plenty of bread and they will eat it, yeah. right? So yeah. we understand that the economy has been very, very um, tough for a lot of people, right? Mm. So we understand that. However, we're a business, just to balance it, um, when you come for a loan, we're going to collect two forms of repayment, right? Mm-hmm. One as the primary form, one as the secondary form. The primary form is one that we realize that doesn't no none of us, none of the parties have control over. So when we set it up, it goes. If uh, yeah. for the period of time that you're meant to pay that loan back, so once it's money in your account, it will debit on that date. The second form of repayment, just in case we are not able to get our money on that date, that's agreed. Right. Hopefully, it's around your salary or at least the time for businesses, the time that you're most liquid. We'll then um, ask you to either give us a card, mm-hmm. um, a debit card um, set up on our system, pay, start, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or we would ask you to give us checks. Mm-hmm. Now, for businesses, we prefer checks because yeah. once, your, once your checks become dud, um, we can criminalize that transaction. Mm-hmm. So we have authorities that we can go to to say, hey, mm-hmm. this person agreed to pay this money. They haven't. Here you go. You know? Yeah. Um, it also is to your disadvantage to not pay us as 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 you said you would because yeah. Yeah. you have um, the credit bureaus that we will report. We yeah. will definitely report every month. Mm. So you you took a loan from us, you didn't pay, and you have coconut head. You are not having a conversation <laughs> with us to restructure this loan or to even pay interest um, first uh, because. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very important. Yeah. There, yeah. there are two types of people. Yeah. There are the ones that are willing to pay and, yeah. and the ones that are um, capable of paying. Mm. There are the ones that are, that are not willing to pay yeah. but capable to, uh, of paying. Ah. Those are the ones that you're not willing to go it to because, I mean, you, you have shown that you are able to pay but you are not paying. And then the ones that right, right. are willing but don't have the capacity. Right. So yeah. we have to really know who we're talking to in which market mm, and build mm. you know sort of channel the energy in that um strategy in that direction yeah so 
we also then take collateral because not all our loans are on, um, unsecuritized, right? Okay. For businesses, we know that fa feast of famine months can happen. We can be caught in the middle. We won't be able to sell yeah. a, an asset that you own right now that you cannot um, um, turn to cash. Yeah. Let's have that. So if things go wrong, yeah. we would mm -hmm. we will have a fallback, right? Yeah, because you that, know it's not yeah, free money. Yeah. It's money that people have trusted, mm -hmm. interested to us. So we would you know, securitize the loan with your mobile asset. So you take your car away, but you will sign over ownership to us and give us the papers. Yeah. Gotcha. So with that being said, how many um, loan, how much loan so far has Sycamore on, within the five year, you know, sort of, of existence has given out? And so how many um, people, if you have any rough like estimation and numbers? <laughs> <laughs> So ballpark is upwards mm -hmm. of twenty million dollars, right? That we have. Okay. Benja, do you hear this? Please. Benja, twenty million. I'm just saying, me myself, about to download the app and start asking for money. I'm, I'm, I'm holding. I'm holding my ears. Twenty million. Let me tell you, I'm. I am not only hearing. I'm holding my ears, self, because I say. So you are meaning to tell me our own friend, self. She's a. She's somebody who can loan. Okay. It's good to let people in high places. It is not a. Yes, it is not a. And she said upwards. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't say. She didn't say small. She said upwards of twenty million. Okay. You see, she's being. She's being cool. Yes. She's not telling the exact amount. She's just giving you just small to your life. Have a problem? I have to some collateral for us to get some money. Ah, you know, we have to go out there now. Come on. <laughs> In recent times, our average, you know, revenue mm -hmm. line has been somewhere around two to point five billion. Mm -hmm. country. So we are we're growing. That's a narrow yeah. amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we are we're definitely growing and looking good. So in terms of number of people that we are reaching, mm -hmm. um, we have different products. I, I realized that somebody asked me about the products and how did we 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 okay. So um, for Public sector uh, employees, we have a product for them. We have a way of collecting for them. We have, mm -hmm. you know, how it goes. Then there's private sector, the businesses, mm -hmm. people in paid employment, in private companies and things like that. We have um, different products. So we have invoice discounting products. We have LPO products. We have normal business loans. We have micro business loans. We have um, the personal loans. So it really depends. On, and then we have assets financing so you want to get a fridge in your house you can't really come up with the money right now we'll buy the fridge and you uh, pay us okay you know so we we are just trying to still maintain that nimbleness um from you know initial from get-go and just be creative around the products that we're presenting so we've tapped into some companies and have become on lenders to their customers ah, okay. right so oh, wow. so you can't see us in the front, but we are behind sort of supporting and backing the um, loans up. So yeah. mm -hmm. we, we were not doing badly. We're not doing badly. Oh, so do you have a rough estimation of how, like how many Nigerians, like the pop, uh, from your sort of clientele base that you've reached so far is like 40,000, 50,000, any rough? Okay. So I'll, I'll draw it like this, right? So we, 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 
launched the second version of our mobile app this year in March, and we had to forfeit our old um, accounts for technical reasons, right? Between March and now, we have 100,000 wow. users. Wow. 100,000 users. Come on. That was actually going to be my question. It would be more in terms of like downloads and active users. Let me tell you, that's why I said I wanted to say the numbers. Let me tell you, that's why I wanted to say the numbers because I was reading the age and my, you know, my, my brains, everything just came up the student. I said, hey, hold on, let me drink some water first. Am I reading this correctly? But if I was getting hot, I said, hey, it wasn't my money, yo. I was just getting hot. <laughs> so you know you know exactly you know that really not all of them will be active loan um um customers right so you have we our app is so robust that it can do so many things so for for loans i'll put it at 35 to 45 percent of that um, um number mm-hmm. and then we have other products on the app itself mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we have you get an account, you can invest on the app, you can borrow mm. on the app. Then we have a special product called Loan Friends. Loan Friends is an informal, us tapping again into the informal lending sector mm-hmm. amongst friends and family. Mm-hmm. So for Loan Friends, you know somebody, okay, patients, you want to lend to Binja. Um, maybe the last time we did this business, it didn't quite work out. So you want a security, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you hop on the app, have an agreement. She puts her card in for a payment. We've had the money, right? So that's really what happens in this loan friends. It's amongst friends and family. Mm-hmm. But really, someone you bring to that place, you already have some sort of doubt about, you know, them actually just giving you the money, um, um, seamlessly and that's where we step in so we'll send reminders to, to your friends, we'll tell them hey, what's going on? All those awkward conversations that you can't have with them we'll have those co- um, conversations and get your money out so so we have those users as well, Yeah. so it's not just the loans that they're um, coming up to yeah. uh, downloading the app to use, you have those um features you can use it to pay your bills you can use it to really is yeah. really a robust it is robust app and and i love the fact that you guys are tapping into sort of peer-to-peer lending where you know you're cutting out the middleman and you're able to sort of receive you know funding you know from your your friend your sister your mother your family it's like cash app you know what i'm saying like you're you're you know you're, you're you're having that you know that that so the ability and flexibility to do so so i love that so out of all the products that you've mentioned what is the most popular one of all the features mm-hmm. and the products yeah like which ones that people like access the most and people are just like dying for Loans, definitely loans. Yeah, I get the loans. Yes, that's what. Definitely loans. Yeah, yeah. Definitely loans. Interesting. So I, I wanna, I wanna pivot a little bit here and and talk about um money in a little bit more concrete terms here. Um, in your own evolution, I understand you guys pretty much bootstrapped, right? In in terms of the beginnings of the business, um. And, and so as you grow and, and maybe this can start bleeding a little bit more into the culture and into how you recruit and into team. Um, but as you grow, how, how much of, of how well or how badly the business is going, do you expose your team to? Because obviously you're supposed to be rowing in the same direction, right? I'm supposed to know that, okay, 
the company is having a good year. What does a good year look like? Me as a worker on a team, how, how do I know what a good year feels like, right? Because you're continually investing in these people, right? You're continually saying, here is training. Um, Onyinye is setting up humans of Sycamore, which we'll get into shortly. <laughs> but you're continually investing in people. How, do you, how are you keeping them invested in the business as well to ensure that like, hey, yeah, we're having a good year, but this is where our target is. How, how do you continue to chat with your team about that? Okay, so um, keeping them invested hmm, and engaged, that is, that is every day. That's an everyday um, question that we ask ourselves. Hey, okay, what are we doing today? What are we doing this week? How are we doing it this month? This quarter encore, you know? <laughs> um, but right. for us, it really boils down to, can you do the job? You're competent. Are you interested in doing this job? So we gauge interest level and then are you a good fit? That's then the culture fit. So when we've sort of measured these three during the process of, you know, recruiting, onboarding, you know, we would be able to sort of gauge, we've told you the story, we've told you where we're going to, we've told you the, you know, impact that we're trying to have. Are you interested? Where do you see yourself falling in this, um, in this, and you, you can really tell by how people really react in initially. And it's not really, when, when it's not only about the income that they're getting, but taking pride in the work that they are putting forward, right? And one of the things that we yeah. do is pride ourselves with giving our colleagues a lot of autonomy to make decisions, especially the senior ones. Because mm. we're all young. We've not done this before. We're all learning along the way. So if you have a fresh idea, go for it. If yeah. we have... A superior argument we'll put it forward and we'll win right but yeah we we don't shut anyone down we we try to leave it as open as possible open door policy everywhere yeah um yeah. reach out to us just even if i'm just strolling to the bathroom hey when you have this idea some something you know put it out yeah. there don't yeah. hold it in um so the culture really does play a big role in helping us keep engaged we know we have a very young and youthful and exuberant um community of uh, uh, colleagues and you have to be able to also do the social stuff do the mm. tiktok videos ensure yeah. that you know they are happy to tell people about where they work with those yeah. with those elements because otherwise it just goes to work come back in the salary fish bash done you know. I love you guys' social media page. Like, just FYI, I'll be stalking the humans of Sycamore. And I love the, you know, the sort of the, the fun hey, environment hey. that you're creating, you know, <laughs> in, in, in the company and sort of, you know, truly investing in your employee well-being and, you know, and, um, and all of that. I would like to know, I know you guys, you guys are now five years, you know, into the game, right? Um, can you let us know, like, how many employees, you know, do you have thus far? And how do you address um, any brain, like any brain drain or capacity, you know, gaps? We're over 100 employees now. Come on. Nice. Come on. Smart. Yeah, you hear this? This woman, man. Not even 40. I said, this is smart, smart scene, light work. Eh? She uh -huh. said, it's, it's a regular, it's a regular Wednesday. Small hundred, we are coming. 
You know what? We listen. Onye, onye, we are honored. Onye, we are honored. We are honored. Please, I'm honored too. I'm very honored too. Now we know it comes to Lagos, Benja. We gonna have first class treats, girl. Listen, I told, I told you, patience. Your dreams of Banana Island are going to come. Yes. Don't worry. Amen. We go seal it with amen. Okay, please come back to us. <laughs> okay. So um over a hundred um but was spread across um four states in Nigeria. So it's Abuja, Port Harcourt, Oyo State, and Lagos. Right, so um yeah what was what was the other thing you wanted to find out i just remember i was i was asking about sort of um capacity how do you sort of close out any capacity gap during, with your during, employees during. or your staff and then any brain drain issues like how do you address that so in nigeria the brain drain currently going on is so decapacitating for companies big small mm. medium-sized even families are feeling it because your, your your brother is going with his family. That's going to be bills to be able to see them next time. It's called Jaqua, right, in Nigeria. You Jaqua, you have gone, you know. Um, there's, it's, it's touching everybody, and it's touching us. Last year alone, we, we um, lost close to 10, um, 10 employees, and... And that's out of a growing population. So it's like you're employing, you're having to have people in the pipeline just to fill out key roles so that you're not left stuck, you know, by somebody's personal decision, right? We keep mm. them engaged we, as much as possible. We ensure that we're in line, we're keeping our ears glued to the economy, what the economy is saying and ensuring that they are feeling they're feeling buffered from the effect of the hardship, right? But there's only so much you can do to sort of influence someone's personal decision to just yeah. up and leave. True. And when they make those decisions, we don't, we don't um, begrudge them for it. It is their decision. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. you know, they can even, it can be an opportunity to even tap into those countries and say, okay, you know what? Now that you're here, do mm. you still need a job? Mm. Those are opportunities. So we see it as right, right, okay, right, right. This is what you need to do now. Go. Mm. When there's an opportunity, hey, we'll reach out to the alumni in the UK, in Canada, wherever, and then yeah. see who's interested in tapping into an opportunity here. And the truth is, some of them, Jackwada. So that's like Jackwada is mm. to go, Jackwada is to yeah. go and come back. Come back. <laughs> go and come back. So, um, there's, 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 there's people like that that do that. Um, my partner, yeah. He was part of the Jakwada. Well, he just Jakwada on his own, really. It wasn't a movement. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh-huh. come and live in Nigeria. And yeah. so you have people who make those decisions. And when they do, you don't want to create a hostile environment where they were like, oh, they used to work for this company. And then, you know, they, uh-huh. they, they treated them funny when they were leaving, so they're not coming back. We need yeah. their exposure to, we need them to right. be able to come back and say, hey, I've been here. Wow, you guys have yeah. really grown but also I have grown, see what I've learned and then be able to, yeah. you, know, you know, give us that um, knowledge, you know? So uh, um, yeah. it's, it's what's happening. We're not taking it as a negative. It's mm, a neutral. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, yeah. 
attack the if there's a problem attack it you know and then you know yeah it's um, all good. in all honesty i think i really like the the perspective that you guys have where many people in today's world are like i i, I don't need anyone i'm going to burn a bridge and I don't care and people forget that like life is very cyclical. At the end of the day, today I'm the one who needs you. Tomorrow you're the one who needs me, you know? So I really like that approach where you're saying like, "Hey, you know what? How can we pivot and still take advantage of the fact that you're not here, which means you're getting exposure to something else, but also make that towards a benefit for Sycamore, Sycamore itself." So I really do appreciate that perspective and even leaving the door open, right? Where people where you're saying, "Hey, this is a, a phase in your life. You're still young." Like you said, a good majority of people who work with you guys are young. That's not to say they can be gone for 3 years and in the fourth year they decide to come back and where is the first place they're going to go? Where they where they got their start, right? So I really do appreciate that and I really hope as people are listening to the podcast and are listening to your experience and your storytelling here that like this is one of the key things you should never just you know burn a bridge i say at worst you should maybe cut a rope you know cut the cord and say you know what i, I don't want to, to deal with you but the good thing with cutting something you can always retire it you know you can always come back and and get get back to where you used to be or at least a different version of it so i really appreciate it Do you mind talking to us a little bit more about um humans of Sycamore and how that came about? Why did you feel like your company as an organization needed to have that outlet? I know patients as she mentioned is a fan. Um why did you think that that was necessary especially on a platform like Instagram? So we wanted a situation where um we highlighted the culture of the business, right? and we we do it in a way that we don't seem like we're a plain organization just constantly doing tiktok videos doing all of that right we wanted to portray a very serious side of our business to the investors to the loan applicants to people who wanted to take um do business with us but also attract people to just the brand because there are people that would like um to to use your products just because they like you right So we wanted to um sort of appeal to both um sides of the coin. Um and then remember mm. our our organization we're very young, right? We have yeah. we have most of our population as millennials, young millennials, and then we have a lot of mm-hmm. Gen Z. So if you're going to have <laughs> young people mm. like that, you best be doing what they're doing, speaking the language that they're speaking, yeah. ensuring that you are keeping them Yeah. their minds active not just dulling them with work right so um and then to also be able to use that as a as a as a mechanism to attract people to want to work yeah with us because hey we're not a humongous company that you know the popular names yeah right that they see this one and they're like yes yeah, this is where I want to work I want to work in an other company of of sorts yeah We want people to be able to say, "Ah, look, this work culture is great." Mm. You know, mm. I, I'd like to be in this kind of environment. Mm. And so, there's so many different um, um, positives to having that humans of Sycamore IG page yeah. um, and the TikTok page. Yeah. It's literally no effort, not so much effort, but then you have so much um, advantage. Yeah. So, and you've and you found that to be helpful on your side. You found that you you are getting a positive return like comments wise, 
people interviewing wise, like what has been the feedback that you've gotten when, from folks around? The video we put up on IG recently went like viral and I think it was sponsored actually. So it really, really took. And what were we really saying? The same, same things were saying on the official page, come and take a loan, extend your working capital. We just like acted it out and people could relate with it because they could see it. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's like, yeah. are we a media company or are we a finance company? <laughs> we'll decide. <laughs> no, but I, but see, that's why I ask because I always feel like companies limit themselves so much because they want to put on this professional quote unquote persona mm-hmm. where people are looking for you to be relatable. You're going to put up an Instagram post as a company, but everything yeah. looks so structured as though you just copy paste what you have on your website. If you're exactly. just giving us several iterations of the same thing, that's not interesting. That's not appealing, which is why I really um, appreciate this page as well. And maybe you can then talk about red lipstick in the boardroom because I feel like you're somebody who's really playing along those lines of I'm going to really bring my authentic self to the forefront and as you learn as you get to know about me you can now get to know about everything that comes along with me if it's Sycamore if it's my other businesses like what what is the driving force behind that as well okay um so for red red nails in the boardroom is literally my my me telling my own authentic story not it's not about sycamore per se it's not about it's 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 me telling the story of from my perspective my journey into entrepreneurship and just be just documenting it right for posterity's sake Mm -hmm. for for reference sometimes for people to be able to see a possibility. Hey, you know, this person experiencing that was recorded the year 2023 and then this year is 2027 and, you know, same thing. So just relatability. Yeah. I, sometimes I'm shy to, you know, put some of this, that information out there. I, I, I promise you because it's sometimes very, very close to, um, heart. Yeah. Um, and then you, you're not really seeing a lot of that yeah. <laughs> out there. In fact, I put out a video um, I had to take a break from work um, based on health issues and I got back after a few months and I put out a video and I think because of how <laughs> I put it out for a few weeks and I took it down Yeah. Um, because I was feeling so deeply um, like people could see me Yeah. which is the essence of the channel right? right? but sometimes it can be really plenty and yeah <laughs> Right, it's, it's, it can be it can be plenty. The the access that it grants to especially strangers, you know, they can just tell you back something you said or or play back a memory that you have that you forgot that you recorded. Yeah, and it's like okay, um, <laughs> didn't know that. <laughs> but on the good side, I yeah. feel like it's gonna help one woman. Sometime it's going to be something that someone will refer to and be like, she did it. See her now. She, you know, she went through this same experience. So, how, how about me? So, I can do this. So, it means that you know, it's not it's not so far fetched for me to to get to this level because I can see Onye's journey. I can see that she, she literally, you know, and she and she documented along the way. A lot of people are not documenting. I think that's the only difference for me. It's that a lot of people are not documenting their journeys, and 
I'm not knocking the hustle. I'm just saying that for me, authenticity, t- telling my authentic story as I am going through it may not look perfect sometimes. May look like I have a, a huge zit on my forehead. Yeah. May look like I'm just coming out of a, 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 an abdominal myomectomy, you know. But I'm going to, I'm going to, this is, it has so much impact on being in the boardroom or on decision making or running several businesses. So those are the stories that I'm I'm telling and hopefully help somebody sometime. Yeah, and that's why I, I, I highlight that in particular because I saw the video that you're talking about. I know I know that you took it down, Sel, and I'm like, girl, I, I thought it was perfectly fine because so many times entrepreneurship, especially successful female entrepreneurs, are painted they're the ones who are size zero, nails done, hair done, everything is beautiful, my life is perfect, stepping out of the Range Rover, my assistant has my bag. Like, they, the picture is beautiful. But in reality, yeah. that's like a 0.01% of who the actual female entrepreneurs are, especially on the continent. And I love that you share your authenticity so loudly, even on the days where you feel like, okay, yeah. this is too imperfect. I'm personally somebody that really appreciates seeing African women tell their story because that's the whole essence of who we are as a series of ants, who we are as a womanly media is a company that values storytelling and nobody can tell Onyinye's story better than Onyinye can, you know, and you right. continuing to share that story. Honestly, it is super, super inspiring because for me, you make it attainable. You make this dream something that I can actually see myself doing so i i continue to encourage mm-hmm. you to post it if only for this one girl in kinshasa who is fully engaged <laughs> <laughs> and invested in your progress i i continue to encourage yeah. you to do so go ahead patience all right onion we know you're such a busy multifaceted boss babe just out here doing the damn thing so we don't want to damn take too much of your time but I have a few questions. You know, we you know we're African church, okay? So we we go over time. Um, um, my my sort of question to sort of wrap up in the Sycamore experience is, I know we talked about this a little bit. We touched on a little bit in terms of gender and and you know and how fintech is helping create that alternative space. You know, when it comes to access to finance for you know women and in and excluded groups and all of that, right? Now we know, you know, Sycamore has been in the game now for five years. You know, you guys are still a fairly new company, but have done such amazing, you know, work and growth in such a short period of time. Um, You guys have over $20 million, you know, loans, you know, under the belt. Over 100,000, you know, Nigerians have benefited, you know, from, you know, from Six Sycamore's, you know, landing and different and different products that you guys have, you know, on the market. You know, you have um, over like 100 employees across four different, you know, field operation, you know, offices and sites. So that that's a lot, you know, to, to have accomplished in five years. And then we have a dynamic trailblazing boss babe at the head, you know, with her partners, you know, uh, leading, leading this, you know, leading this effort and this amazing company. So my question, you know, to you is, you know, as a, as a woman within this uh, space and within this fintech, I know you mentioned how in Nigeria, it's, it's pretty much opening where women are taking, you know, taking on more leadership, you know, opportunities and, and, and taking more precedent within the fintech industry. I would like to know, what, have, have there been any sort of key challenges, though, have, that you have experienced um, being, you know, a woman 
leading, you know, a fintech company um, within the Nigerian, you know, context, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. even friends that you know within the same field as you in other contexts, you know, on the continent? Like, what what has been some of the key challenges hmm. as a woman in fintech? Mm -hmm. Um, I think the from the from the ownership side, from the leadership side, not the receiving side, but more from like you know now like you you're you're running the company, you own the company, you're leading the company with your partners. Um, what has been some of the challenges as a woman um, within that? Mm -hmm. This is a very very great question. Um, so for from my perspective, what are the challenges that I have faced in in? Oh my goodness. Um, so you know how, um, and I say this with a lot of, um, um, respect with, you know, to my, my partners and to, 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 to the people I work with. Right. Right. But you have a lot of people, especially in Africa who, I don't even know whether it's especially in Africa, but when, when there's a man talking, they can hear him clear. Yes. Hey, Jesus. It's like, mm. they defer to him. Because it seems to be like default in power, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when I'm the one leading the conversation, I, I, I hello, hi, can you, can you hear me? Can you hear me? You know, it's like you right. almost have to, you know, drop your 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 voice. It, it you know it tone deeper, yeah, and yeah. slowly, yeah, drive home your point. Yeah, like a an old man would, yeah, yeah. with a lot yeah. of wisdom, you know, yeah. because your eh, high pitch, you know, ranting is not going to do the job. It's yeah. not. It's, it's you have to be able to step into your power. Take you have to just it, not yeah. force it. Mm -hmm. Not you are who you are. You are a leader here. You are a woman in fintech. You are a leader in fintech. Yeah, own it. And then there are things times that you know, hey. Some of the challenges will be just the sheer pressure of the work in front of you. Like, I, I, it can be challenging. It can be a lot, especially on your mental health. And a lot of people don't talk about mental health in Africa with with a lot of love and kindness. Mm -hmm. They talk yeah. about like it's something that can happen to you, and it's something that you don't ever recover from, and it's something that you are stigmatized for yeah but mm. you'll go through stress for a prolonged period just like if you're exposed to mosquito you will get malaria that yeah. is right there's no way mm -hmm. you'd have challenges you'll have moments where you have to step back and yeah. take it you know take days off take whatever it is that you need to do to slow down and get yourself okay because you can't pour from an empty cup right yes you, right now one of the things yeah. that i do to manage that is i work from the office four days a week on the fifth day, I work from anywhere Bele face. Mm -hmm. Like, mm. literally mm. anywhere. Mm. So it can be a restaurant, it can be a coffee shop, it can be a yeah. yeah. home, it can be a hotel, just anywhere. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that it has done to me is it's also broadened my horizon in terms of inspiration. I'm going through a customer service situation and I'm like, oh, this person did it so well. Let me talk to my guys in the office too. I think we can do, we can, you know, Adapt yeah, like yeah. so, it, so so just being out of the environment for me helps me to cut down my stress level. Not because right. it's so much stressful. I'm just I'm just saying that I'm saying that yeah. it's it's also it's it opens up your mind to seeing how people do it in other places and how you yeah. can get inspired Absolutely. from that. Absolutely. Right. So 
for me yeah. personally that's how i sort of deal with that and really difference is um is, is for initially it used to get to me like oh my god this person how can you not you know hear me or hear me yeah you know yeah. Hear me. so i used to really oh my god yeah. <laughs> i used to really try to you know now i just keep quiet and I, I, you will get your your appraisal and it will be yeah. very objective and you will know <laughs> there's no need to shout and scream there's no need to be emotional in quotes about it even though that is the that is the package that we come in there's i have learned in the last five years how to just manage it a little better how to ensure that i'm i'm not sticking out as a sort of at the table because i'm a woman for a bad reason so i i realized that it's also a good thing that i'm a woman because sometimes all the objectivity doesn't answer the question mm-hmm. sometimes the intuition part of it that it is the is, is how you can feel the person's um uh the, the next person how how you can feel their pain that really yeah. brings home the points so yeah it, it, it serves me yeah. it serves me mm. to then settle into my 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 power in quotes and just operate from there from a place of being settled being yeah. knowing who i am knowing where i am and just accepting it yeah. and ensuring that everybody falls in line yeah. absolutely and you yeah. know it's so funny that you mentioned that in terms of you being in this leadership position you being one of the boss you know one of the bosses and you know and people seeing you but not hearing you you know when you are mm-hmm. trying to when you're the one leading the conversation or leading the discussion or leading the room and it seems to be, I think, an experience that most women in leadership position, you know, have sort of experienced one mm-hmm. way or the other. And I remember, you know, in my experiences, same thing, like where, you know, I'll be speaking and, you know, and they will refer to somebody else, you know, to to either answer the question or, or reiterate. And I'm looking at them like, mm-hmm. I'm looking around like. I mean, am I yeah. a ghost? Like, did you not see me <laughs> saying this? Right? I mean, do you hear me? Am I speaking like in tongues? Like, what is it am I doing right now? And one yeah. thing that really helped too was, you know, my 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 um colleagues, you know, would re refer them back to me. You know what I'm saying? And so, mm, so like to re, you know, to re put that in their brain. So like, nah, she's the boss. Like she's the one that, you know, yeah. that is leading this, like, you know, that respect mm-hmm. goes. So I think it all helps when you have those partnership as well, where you, you're put yeah. in a position where you have like two co-founders or a male, you know? Yeah. And so when they are being the ones like, you know, looked up to as the leader, like they can support that by referring people right back to like, you know, oh yeah, what do you mm-hmm. think about this? Oh yeah, yeah, what, you know, right. what, you know, how about this? You know what I'm saying? I think it, it puts that back into it. Whether it's not just your employees, even external partners, a lot of times, I don't think the, the issue comes with the employees. It comes with the external partners that you work with, you know, that are so patriarchal and misogynistic trained that when they see a woman in leadership position, they're looking at you like, so when is the boss coming? You're looking at them like, no, but I'm the boss. Like, you know what I'm right? <laughs> so with that being said, right? With that being said, this is a perfect segue into my next question. I know you, me- you mentioned uh, mental health a little bit. So how have you been able to incorporate, you know, self-care uh, into sort of your busy um, life schedule? Uh, obviously, being a boss woman, you, you wear many hats and you're pulled in so many different directions. So how are you able to um, incorporate self-care into your day-to-day routine to truly help 
pour back into you. And Binja and I, I always say this, Binja and I are self-proclaimed ambassadors of the soft girl and baby girl lifestyle. So we want to know yeah. what is what is a soft girl, is. baby girl lifestyle Period. looks like for boss babe Oinye. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I already sort of hinted on it with the, you know, ensuring that I'm taking one day to work from a different environment for inspiration, right? But how else? I sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sleep. Get that beauty sleep in mm-hmm. plus the normal one plus everything. I, I I try to power down as often as I can because you'd have such a busy day and then you want to have a busy nightlife. It's not possible. You will run into a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So I've mm-hmm. chosen to have such a busy day, I'm going to leave it out and do what I need to do. I, I realize that this is a season in my life as well. You know, this hustle is a season. Sikamo is becoming such a complex organization that now they're leaders for different um, things and we have to just be able to hold them responsible and actually hold them responsible. Like, ensure yeah. that they know the responsibility given to them. And, mm-hmm. and if that's if I'm stepping away from the operational part of it and literally holding somebody responsible, I don't have as much, but then it, it then bestows on me a higher level of responsibility that uh, people are depending on you for their livelihoods, their family, right. you know, depending on the future, you know, income, you know, you you can't afford to make wrong mistakes. You can't afford to co- yeah. come and and function from a place of of being tired or being worn out or being um or being stressed out all the time. So rest, rest, so critical. Um how else I point to myself? I go for like spa pamper dates. Look, if we're gonna be baby girls, we're gonna be baby okay. girls. Like you have to you have to let somebody press all that stress out of the body. Please look. They Please. have to they have to master from your from your head, the sole of your head, I'll be toes, I'll be however, up to down, sir. Whichever direction you want to go. I'm telling you, press everything, please. Let me be okay, right? Yeah, um, yeah. One of the other things that I do is I love to travel. I love to, ever since my France experience, I'm like, as many opportunities as I get to, broaden my mind i'm gonna take them mm-hmm. so i do that um from time to time i'm i'm i'm, I'm going on vacation but mm-hmm. you're doing so much more activity during the vacation i come back yeah <laughs> i need to go on a vacation from this one <laughs> yeah i need I, a I vacation travel. from my vacation i see you i'm I telling you. you i'm telling you so um i do that too. i garden i like to you know, if you're using your brain so much, you want to use your hands to rest the brain, and that helps. Although it's been a minute since I did that, but hey, <laughs> I just like to see greenery around me. So I, yeah. if I'm not doing it, somebody's doing it. I'm, I'm just, right. you know, consuming. For sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. And then from time to time, when I can find the opportunity, I like to dance. Latin, so salsa. I'm learning how to lady style in Kazomba. Um, ah, Jesus. Yes, she know me small girl. She know me small no. girl. Let me tell you. Out here doing Kizomba. She know me small girl. Please. Put some respect on her name. So, Onye, in all honesty, you've been such an inspiring and a motivational force in this conversation. And I'm wondering if 
there was somebody who was listening to this and they were just hesitant. Like, what would you tell somebody who is afraid to take the leap? Because for me, based on everything you've said, when you were five, you were this talkative child. You were still out there. When you got into high school, still putting yourself out there. Even in, even in the two fintech companies, you get recruited. You're not questioning it. You're just, okay, what's the next step here? You get your MBA. You're continually just taking the leap, starting a business with people you just had a couple of classes with. Okay, let's see what happens. Even you said it, you know, if you fail, then okay, you fail, but at least you can say it's going to be informative for your next experience. What would you say to somebody who is living in this limbo of, oh my God, I'm afraid to take the leap? Oh, just what can you say to push them over? If you wait till it's perfect, you will never start. If you wait mm. till you have the right conditions, it will never be mm. quite right. You would keep going. You start, start afraid, start without all the money you need, start with only the resources that you have in front of you, start with the promises that people have made to you, start with your heart beating in your chest. But start is when you start that you take that first step, that the next step becomes clearer. Right now, when we made that decision to start Sikamo, we didn't even anticipate half of what we're doing now. We talk, I talked about the app, but I didn't talk about events by Sikamo. I didn't talk about FIMFA by Sikamo. Events is a lifestyle um, 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 app that we're launching into the event um, landscape with. FIMFA is bringing all the fintech um, yeah. organizations in Lagos together to play FIFA. So it's literally a yeah. gaming thing, yeah. right? Oh, nice. Who would have thought in, in month one that that was a possibility? Nobody else is doing it in the market. We are, right? Who would have thought yeah. that we would be starting our short-led business, which is something that we do, um, um, the three of us are involved in as well. We have location one, two. We're expanding to location three. We have a catering business that just started this year. Who would have thought that we're backward integrating from hospitality into catering? Who would have thought that we, wow. we would um, be trying to look at, okay, how do we get a, a finance house license to ensure that we have our asset management company, which is already registered with a managing director and a whole team yeah. just waiting for the license yeah. to bring money in mm. to fund the business. Who would have thought that we would be here you know, pursuing the things that we're pursuing, looking at how do we enter the, the um, how do we serve the Nigerians in diaspora? How do we really just start to broaden the scope mm. of Sycamore's products beyond um, Africa? There's no way. We, we literally wanted to just close the funding gap in Lagos. That's what we, that's the problem. That's the first step that we try to mm. um, tackle. And then we've seen opportunities to plug in to businesses, into, into people's lives that in ways that really matter and that they're is forever itched in their memory. So start. It doesn't have to be a fintech you're starting. It doesn't have to be a big podcast you're starting. But if you start with one, you would have the confidence to start the second one. Yeah. You'd have the confidence to take the third step. And those are the things that people will look back and like, before you know it, you've done 14 episodes, 15 um, seasons, and, and you're, you're just going. Yeah. You're not looking back. Your hands are still shaking every time because 
the amount the the amount of mileage that you have gotten is keeping you humble. Like there's no way I could have done this by myself if if I didn't take that leap. Mm. We started without any without a lot of expectations. We just were like, you know, we're gonna be in the wave wherever it carries us, right? But we had a vision, we had what we wanted to plug into. So literally just start. This catering business that we started recently is we don't have the experience in it. We're literally <laughs> figuring the thing out. And you you will get burned. But that's the price of a lesson. That's the price. You you would have to pay that price. And it can be yeah. Yeah. it can yeah. be so painful because you're like, eh, yeah. if I had known, but if you if you had known, you know, you, you hindsight is 2020. So literally start, be brave about it. Start, let somebody laugh at you. Yeah. If they laugh at you, it means yeah. that you're doing something different. You're not going with the crowd. And that is where mm. you can make a difference. But otherwise, you're just following group think and everybody's doing it. So let's follow them. So if, you will not be able to make anything out of your life, anything memorable. So start. Everybody has a great idea. There are blogs to be written. There are stories to be told. There are, there are, there are people's lives to be touched. And it's not only about the physicality of it in terms of how money is exchanging hands or all of that. There's, there's, there's other ways. So start. The impact starts. You won't have all the resources. Starts. Yeah. So with that being said, oh yeah, yeah. with that being said, that is a great place to sort of put a full stop. Yes. And wrap um, up. Right. Was giving us so. I mean, I mean, this conversation has just been beyond inspiring. And I know so many gems. So many of our listener, listeners across the globe, you know, are going to take a lot from your journey and your experiences. Yeah. And you know, Benja likes to say this. You know, you're definitely showing us how you can put that dream into action, make it more practical. And that's what we love about our, you know, our podcast, you know, it's not just showing you this big picture of success, but it's showing yeah. you all the in-between stages that led you to where you are and how you put, you know, you put your dreams into motion, into practice. So with this being said, what inspires you or what is what excites you about African women? Huh. The audacity for me. See, come on. Why else? Why else are we on this call? It took Mm. someone to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to reach out to somebody on LinkedIn I do not know from Adam to say, hey, Mm. jump on the call. That's an African woman. Right. There's a a fire. You know this fire, eh? You cannot kill it. You can't kill it. It's like, it can be fanned, but you can't kill it. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. You can actually want to suppress it, but to find its way is the audacity for me in an African woman. Mm. Hey, mm. You better say hey. I call her mm. I call her Bicha Audacity Basimike. That's <laughs> period. That is all period. <laughs> Cause ain't no let me tell y'all, ain't no shame in Benja's game. No. Like between she and I, Binja is the most like I always like she's the most like fearless person. Like I know Binja has no shame. Yeah. Like, she ain't got no shame. Yeah. I do. Like I'm a shy person that I, like I'm more of a behind the scene. Like I can't. I, I, I can't. I can't even come say hi to you if I don't know you. Like I just, <laughs> just want to look at me and like who the hell are you? I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was I wasn't raised by parents who taught me how to be afraid. 
So I never really grew up seeing what fear looked like. We, we've moved around so many times. Like I've had school in English and French. I've been taught to like talk to strangers because if you're ever in an airport by yourself and you have to figure your way out, you have to talk to strangers. So go ahead and do that. So for me, I, I'm not really sure I have an, enough of a fear bone in me, but that's not to say it doesn't happen here and there. But like, yes, the audacity is extremely high over here. <laughs> but we want to thank you so much. Olinye. Thank you so much for your time thank you. thank you so much for always being available to us we do not take it lightly we we know who you are we respect and honor who you are and for you to continually make time for us we do not take that for granted so at a series of ants people always asking us where are the women where are the african women what are the african women doing we have brought you onyinye okonji today know her name first of her name yes. if we must say yes, and once yes. she comes when she comes through we hope that at the end of the day all of the gems that have been shared on this podcast will be applicable in your lives you will find inspiration and so there you have it ladies and gentlemen another african woman who is living out her dreams and is a series of ends thank you so much for your time thank you so much for listening bye everybody bye, bye.